1: It is a Wednesday, the 16th of September. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an
0: AFL-adjacent podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, I kind of get the feeling that as we head towards finals, that your team is on the way up and my team is on the way down. And it has suddenly made me very disinterested in football. I don't want to have to do this podcast through finals if we miss out on percentage. What's
1: the most I, – I haven't looked because here's the thing. I, I've been saying all season and now it's coming back to haunt me that Fremantle are a pretty good team. And I think that that's a tough game for the Bulldogs to have in the final round when we realistically, we have to win, I think. Like I, I looked at the percentage and I'm pretty sure the Bulldogs have to have a fair amount of luck to get into the
0: finals if we don't win against Freo. So I haven't really – You are in form. I mean that, that- – the difference with St Kilda, so St Kilda is vying against GWS. The, the teams vying for the last spot in the eight are GWS, the Bulldogs, Melbourne and the Saints. You would argue that GWS and... And is there only one spot out of those four or is there two spots out of those four? Uh, Collingwood with their win jumped up into sixth place. So there's two places. St Kilda has the best percentage. So uh, we're all on the same points. No one. The only team that can go higher is St Kilda. If, the, if Collingwood lose to Port, which they might and St Kilda win, then we could go up to six. But if we lose, then we're just relying on percentage for all the other games. Now, Melbourne take on Essendon. So that is the big danger game because if Melbourne go out and Essendon play like they've been playing in the last few weeks, they could beat them by 10 goals. Might do it for Worcester though. Might do it for Woosher. Woosher doesn't...
1: (laughs) Woosher's left. Woosher won't be there. (laughs) Woosher. They're like, we did this for you, Woosher.
0: Woosher's already on a plane back to Western (laughs) Australia. That was one of the strangest, most kind of passive-aggressive swipes at, like, your old boss. The way he was talking about, like, I know Essendon fans, you know, think that they should have success... Now because they're a big club, but just because you're a big club doesn't it's like, holy shit, like Whoosh is just he's laying it down a bit of fucking acid. Well, just the fact that he went from talking about us and as us to them.
1: Like it was like, Oh, okay. It's like that now, is it?
0: Someone's changed their pronouns on Twitter. It wasn't it wasn't the club he was talking about, it was the supporters specifically. That's what yeah. I th- that's who I think he was addressing. Because I reckon right. his relationship you know, with the the club is probably okay. And, you know, maybe they've fucked up this handover or whatever, but it's more the attitude of Essendon supporters are incredibly snobby. Is that the right word? You know, they have high expectations. They were entitled. They're entitled. That's it. And they were a powerhouse powerhouse club. We saw this happen 20 years ago with Carlton, when Carlton got all those sanctions and were just sent to the bottom, the ladder. Carlton fans, it was a long period of adjustment. Like, they are now, like... Who's that character from um, Game of Thrones who got, like, you know, his balls cut off and stuff? Reek. Carlton or Reek. <laughs> they were once, like, you know, this strutting around, you know, an entitled prince. And then they got their balls cut off and they became this fucking abused dog, ballless Reek. <laughs> that's, that's who Carlton are. <laughs> and I think Essendon don't realise it, but they've been reeked. And so
1: they'll be the new Reek. They really do still carry themselves like they're a big powerhouse team and it's been a while since Essendon have been considered a big powerhouse team but
0: you look at that list and the way like remember when they were two years out of the drug scandal and they started playing okay and then they brought in all those players and Woosha took over as like caretaker and you just were like oh yeah cool man like they've this is how you navigate your way out of a a scandal is you just kind of you know shut your mouth once it's all done and dusted. You take your take your medicine and then you slowly build the club back up with smart recruiting and and good development. But I think the problem was that they said we've got to take our medicine and then they were like, oh, another offsite Stephen Dank operation. But I think that I said to you last week, do you how, what you know what percentage do you think the emotional scars are for Essendon? And you were like, oh, I don't know, but it's an element. And I think that maybe it's a bigger element than we're giving it credit for because psychology around a football club's an interesting thing i saw it happen at st kilda after 2010 after losing two grand finals in a row you could see in that next season the players were just gone like everyone was exhausted you just got so close and then this thing happened and and suddenly they're arguing on the field and then they're talking about trading out your stars so that was just like a. That was a, a huge drain for a club that had been quite successful. But imagine if your club had been humiliated, you know, and dragged through the back pages for months and months and months, and your favourite son, the golden child, you know, got his crown taken off him. Like that has to have some effect on you going forward, right? You can't just a few few years later just dust yourself off and say it's all in the past. I I couldn't. If it turned out that Bob
1: Murphy or Marcus Bontempelli came back to coach the Bulldogs at some stage and then there was a similar sort of scandal that, yeah, kind of stemmed from them, I would be... I, I'd walk away. I, I imagine there were a certain fans who walked away, but I think I would walk
0: away. But that, their supporters haven't deserted them. I think it's more... It's more to do with the fabric of, you know, the, the administration through to the players, like the actual club. I don't know. Like, it... Could it be that they don't feel that they were punished enough? Do you know what I mean? Is there some guilt that they came out of it relatively, you know, unscathed? Because it was a fairly quick bounce back initially.
1: There was there was even some, you know, kind of, there was some sort of talk around the idea that they were going to have this like super team because they could, you know, pay the players the payouts they had to pay them over the drug thing and then kind of, you know, sneakily take that into account when it came to their contracts and... Yeah, maybe that they tried to to effectively game the system on the other way out and they don't think they've been punished enough. Yeah, maybe. To be great if they just brought in a psychologist. That's what I want to see with Kingy in the lab. I want to see like a proper psychologist really just like
0: getting into where he thinks everyone's heads are. So last week we pitched the idea of in the lab uh, putting up a 3D savlagi for Kingy to walk on. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're saying it's just a brain. Like a cross section of the human brain. And can you walk around going, well, this is the medulla oblongata, uh, and this is what controls uh, you know, emotions and rage. Also, could could still store guilt. If you look at the differential here, plus six on guilt, minus seven on accountability. So they're in deficit. <laughs>
1: Yes, absolutely, 100% yes is what I'm saying. That's exactly what I want. I did. That's something that I did not know how much I wanted it until you said it, and now I can't think of anything else. It's the, you know, it's the thousandth episode of uh, AFL 360 tonight. They're celebrating, and so I heard an interview today uh, that Kingy did with Jared uh, uh, Wheatley, Whitley, um Glenn Wheatley, Jared Wheatley, uh, so, <laughs> uh, where Key turned the tables on Jared and he asked him the questions and he took him back to, you know, how the show came together in the history of AFL 360. And I was just like, oh boy, this is like porn to me. There's nothing... I want one of those Saturday Night Live-style oral histories behind the show of AFL 360. Like, just interviews with everyone who was
0: involved, them telling their side of the story. And How many times do you think there'd be a story from a PA or something who has to knock on Robbo's door, but he's like, they can hear him snoring (laughs) inside? You know, just the faint smell of stale whiskey coming from underneath the door. (laughs) They just hear snoring. Like... If all they could hear is
1: him snoring, they'd be happy. That's a happy, that's a good day. If he's asleep, you're happy to knock on the door. If you hear any rustling, it's time to walk Bye. away. <laughs> Come back when he's snoring. <laughs> um, so unlikely couple, uh, Jared and Robo, obviously. And so he explained a little bit of how that all happened in the first place. And so Jared basically was there. You know, he was the one who was there already. And they were trying to come up with a show, you yeah, know, the, the the name AFL 360, you know, footy from all angles. They really wanted to reflect that idea of that really different people can be united by the fact that they both love this game and that they can talk about the game. And they, they had a sort of serious point to make about the nature of footy supporting and how particularly, you know, if you're in Victoria, South Australia, Western Australia – you can, in, we've talked about this so many times, you can ingratiate yourself into a conversation by just starting talking about football. And regardless of your um, otherwise life experiences that might be in common, you can just have in common that you can talk about the football. And so that was the idea behind it. And so they thought they would get, you know, Jared, and then they, he'd be the moderator and they'd get somebody who was like, you know, a proper sort of, you know, ocker footy fan and then they get somebody who was like the complete opposite of that. And then they brought in Robo, right, to be the Ockerman. I'm assuming they
0: found Robbo in a gutter. <laughs> they were outside of Dan Murphy's.
1: They woke up Robo. They poked Robo with a stick. He was breathing. I was surprised. <laughs> they lured Robo into the studio with half a can of fosters. And the <laughs> bag of just... A bag of dim sims and a half smoked durry, and they said, Jack and the Magic Bean style, we will trade you if you sign this contract for a year. We will give you this half a can of Foster's half smoked durry and this bag of dim sims. One's been eaten, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they brought in Robbo. And it turned out that Robo was so opposite to Jared that they realised they didn't need someone who was opposite to Robo. <laughs> so that's how Jared
0: became. He went from being the moderator to being the sort of the other, the other host of it. I mean, I'm sure they they didn't mention it, but I wonder if they auditioned anyone else. Like, I wonder who else was brought in. Like, if they're going for that kind of scruffy football identity, was it always going to be? someone like who worked in the media or worked in football, like someone recognisable or was this idea of... Yes, it was always going to be someone who worked worked in football. I- Who's a simile for Robbo then? Who else could have been? Who's like uh, Doug Hawkins, for instance, too, maybe too old. Yeah, I think that Robbo... I mean, Robbo was chief football writer at the Herald Sun, I guess,
1: probably when they started. Like it would have been about the time he took over. So he's a pretty obvious choice. I'm not sure that you would have... I don't think Robbo was anyone's second choice. I think if you're going to cast like that, Robbo's the exact guy that you want. Like, he's got a prestigious football job, but he also represents, like, a dude in Bay 13. Like, you know, like, he has the title of somebody who is highly, you know, intelligent about football, but
0: the demeanor of somebody who you've just woken up from six months of hibernation. The way to describe it, the best way to sum it up, is that Robbo has an assortment of business shirts... But they're all stained with food, <laughs> and that I think is that sums up. Yes, he's the chief war <laughs> writer, including some so he's, he's never worn, worn but somehow,
1: somehow still has stains on them.
0: Yeah, that's um that's interesting because that's kind of when we we started our discussion about Robo and Jared this year. That's kind of where we started was like this: How did these two come together? And I love the idea of taking the you know uh, articulate erudite. Football writer, and then pairing him with the common man because it's weird though. I don't know that Robbo's opinions, I think Robbo has fairly unique opinions on things. I don't know that he's really the voice of the common man. He's he is a common man who has opinions, but I don't know he's the voice of the common man if that if that makes any sense.
1: Oh, yeah, I don't think he's speaking on behalf of the common man. The only common man that he speaks on behalf of is himself, but in that his opinions are quite common,
0: (laughs) yeah. The common man who lives in his head and tells him again, it's not too early to have a beer. Somewhere between the common man and the Neanderthal original man. It's a thousand episodes, though. That's um, we're going to up our game. I don't, I don't know how many episodes of Two Guys One Cup we've done, but if we're going to catch those guys, we better get a move on. We better go to five days a week. Well,
1: they talked about that because it was weekly early on, and then it, you know, as it got more successful, they
0: obviously went to it being more regular. But Let's just say the AFL, uh, they get through the pandemic, the sponsors come rushing back, they get a big fucking check, and they're like, Two Guys One Cup, we want you to go one hour five nights a week. So we take the money, but now we have to fill out five hours a week of football, well, of our show. Can we do it? How thin do you reckon all the the cunt fiction would get? No, no, no. I mean, like,
1: we've managed to do, like, an entire year of podcasting by talking about three players, at least one of whom hasn't really played that much. Like, there's actually, like, hundreds of other players. Like, it's an untapped market for us. We'd need compulsory things. We'd need the AFL to guarantee us that every player in the league would have a player profile. Like, that that would be the sort of thing. Like, we can't be relied on the current – there would have to be
0: systematic changes to allow us to, to do it. How about this, though? How about, like, if we do get our five nights a week show, like on Thursday night, we have a player on and we do a live player profile where we get to ask them those questions in person. Perfect.
1: I'm, but I like to think that I'm in one of those – like, I'm in a glass booth next to them with headphones on. And so they give their answer and then I take off my headphones and I have to guess
0: what their answer was. And then for some reason at the end, we blow around a bunch of notes and you get to grab them. <laughs> um, did you watch any football on the weekend? I'm trying to think. I was so heartbroken when we lost to the Eagles that I actually, of all the losses we've had this year, that one hurt the most. A, because of what was at stake. We'd won that game, guaranteed finals. But also, they had six players out their best midfield was out uh you know uh, jeremy mcgovern does his hamstring he's out for a half they they're basically down to two guys on the bench and we still couldn't beat them we get 10 points up in the last quarter and it's just like god fucking damn it god fucking damn it st kilda like don't do this to me you had my hopes up so high but we chose the latter end of the year to, to have our slump wrong time of the year to have your slump well except that you've still
1: got time to get out of your slump you can still win, get into the finals and roll into them with some confidence,
0: I think. Well, we if we lose to GWS and limp in on percentage and then get smashed in the first final, I mean, is that... I mean, do you celebrate that year or do you just be like, holy shit? <laughs> like, we just... We literally, you know, it's like tearing your hamstring in the change rooms and stumbling out to the ring to face Mike Tyson and getting punched out in three seconds. Uh, let me ask you this question. So after this
1: weekend there's a whole lot of teams that aren't in it anymore. Should should those players, because there's a bit of debate over this, should those players who are now been through the quarantine and, you know, like are living in a state where you can have a lot more freedom in your life, should they be forced to go back to their home states or should they be able to like go on their postseason in Queensland? Because the risk being, of course, that like if you go and have a mad Monday, and it's some AFL players get in trouble, even if they're not playing. That's going to reflect on the AFL and them trying to have their final
0: series, you know, on in Queensland at that time. If I was Gill, I would try and negotiate that no, there's no Mad Mondays till after the grand final, and you can sort of keep the players up there under the guise of, well, we're doing a bunch of kind of like media events or whatever. We need to keep the players up here so we can keep them together for interviews and stuff and stuff we're filming for the website, and then have the players do their Mad Monday after the grand final. So then if they fuck up or get, you know, arrested or whatever, and we get kicked out of Queensland, at least we got the grand final. That's that's what I would do if I was a girl. What if, because um, obviously they've had all these
1: hotels for the players. Some of them have been staying on resorts, so like on a golf course or these sort of things. So could you keep, say, the golf course, and then team by team, as they're eliminated, you get checked into the resort that has the golf course, and you can sort of then just like... The area is cut off from the rest of society. You can party as much as you want. You can play golf all day. You can, you know, drink and and whatever you do. But as long as you don't leave the
0: parameters of the golf course. Well, I guess the question is school holidays are coming up Mm -hmm. and people can't travel overseas anymore. And there might be a family that want to, you know, have a week's break. And if all the hotels are taken up by AFL players who aren't working, they're just hanging out. I don't know. I don't know. Can maybe the players have to compromise? The players have to... They can stay at the hotel, but they also have to work as staff, like, you know, casually, a few days a week. So you might see Dustin Martin (laughs) cleaning up your breakfast. (laughs) Or, you know, I don't know. Two two metre Peter lives on the Gold Coast. That's not a good example. Like, I don't know, Max King. You just see Max King, like, you know, taking out your rubbish. I think even the people who live on the Gold Coast, yeah, they would have to go
1: into the if once they're eliminated they have to go into the resort as well they can't can't go home either we have to have all afl players contained in this one zone i mean in a human rights way i don't think that the afl should have any right to send them back when they've gone through all the quarantine process and if they want to go on a holiday in queensland like as long as everybody behaves themselves there's no reason they should get sent back but it's how likely you think that everyone will behave
0: themselves that's the problem yeah I mean, I think from my understanding, Mad Mondays have been cancelled or like at least clubs are saying that they're not doing, you know, the big sort of pub crawl shit anymore. It's like we're going to have quiet drinks in our hubs. So, I mean, how much... Well, I was going to say, how much trouble can you get into? But then it's like, well, a week ago, two of them took an Uber to a strip club. So I guess a lot. I think
1: they would have to put them in a prison. They need to to empty out some prisoners. and they need to put the prisoners at the golf course and then uh, they have to put all the AFL players in a prison. Or maybe in like, are are the theme parks open?
0: Could we we get like a movie world or a dream world or are they back open? Well, I mean, if they're not open, but all these players have been quarantined and they've been tested. Mm -hmm. So if they're not open, I think they commandeer Wet n Wild and all the teams that have been eliminated from the finals, they have to hub at Wet n Wild for four weeks. You can go home or you can go to Wet n Wild.
1: They're your two choices, right? So you can go back to Victoria. You choose. (laughs) Sleeping on a big inflatable donut. Wake up in the morning. (laughs) We've got two choices, guys. You can return return home to lockdown in Victoria, or
0: you can now live at Wet n Wild. Unlimited rides. (laughs) No, not unlimited rides. You get a day pass, but you have to pay for it after that. (laughs) So they're just losing money, hand over (laughs) fist. $90 $90 a day that they stay. Well, actually, it's pretty good considering they're setting free accommodation. Do they get free hot dogs or do they have to pay for those as well? <laughs> yeah, but only old ones. Like only ones that have to be thrown out. They get free access to those. I imagine like that the uh, people who work at Wet n Wild throw it to them like their seals. Like you get all the players yeah. like cordoned up behind like in a cage. You just throw day-old hot dogs over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. fight them. <laughs> So how are, you, um, how are you feeling about the Bulldogs? You must be excited. You seen, I saw you about three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, you muted your feelings. You actually, I saw you take a step back, like seeing someone in a relationship they knows bad for them. I saw you take a step back from the Bulldogs and it's like, you know what, I, I don't, I'll never stop loving them, but just for my own mental health, I just need some space and so... I'm just not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna check up on them. I'm not gonna turn off Facebook. I'm gonna turn off Instagram. I'm just not gonna follow them around. But surely by now, you feel like they've proved themselves. They've become a bit more reliable. Caleb Daniel's putting together an All Australian season. Mark Bontempelli is amazing. Like you must be feeling some kind of excitement. It must be back a little bit. Like that, they are now. The Bulldogs are standing outside your bedroom with a boombox over their head, playing Sons of the West outside your bedroom window.
1: And I think to you well, to extend that analogy then. The point I'm at is where I'm not annoyed by the music outside my window, but I'm not ready to go down and join them just because they've got the boombox over their head. I'm happy that they're enjoying themselves. I'm happy that they're, you know, playing the song loud and I feel good for that. And it is uh, I'm obviously happy when they win, but we could still miss the finals. And I still think that when we come up against some of those really big teams in the finals, I'm not sure that we have the manpower across the board to really be competitive, but I would love to be proved wrong. Because no, when they're up and going, these Bulldogs are so exciting to watch. And there's so much – I mean, it's been great for – Bontempelli really has warmed into the season. He started a bit slow, but he's – like he's had a run of games in the last sort of five or six games where he's just been – the player that you expect him to be. And yeah, there's a lot to like about them. And look, you know, I'm willing to get excited about it. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I've got I've got space in my diary for for excitement about the Bulldogs. But I, I'd like to see us get over this weekend. If we can get over this weekend, I, I'm more confident that we'll win the first week of the finals than I am that we'll win
0: this weekend. Does that make sense? Yes, 100%. You are... Um... <laughs> You are ahead of the game with your tips for Justin Longmuir. I was listening to a couple of different footy podcasts this week where they were discussing coach of the year, and Justin Longmuir's name came up multiple times. I was like, ah, we're always ahead of the game on this. You picked it very early. I mean,
1: in one season, he's taken uh, us from who? To, I think he should be coach of the year. Like, we... Like at the start of the year when we were trying to name who all the coaches were, we thought he was John Longmire. And now we're saying that he should be coach
0: of the year. Seven wins is not bad. I mean, they've put together a pretty good season. It's good. funny, there's been a lot of... it's a, The difference like a month makes. Like even Adelaide look good now. So Adelaide, I think, are playing Melbourne, I think, in the last round. And I'm like, oh, no, hang on. I'll just see Melbourne playing. Melbourne, SNN, you said. But who's playing Adelaide? Tigers, which all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I don't know, maybe the Adelaide could give them a shake. Although having said that, I don't know if Geelong were really bad or if the Tigers are really good, but the Tigers just look like, they just look like the best team going around at the moment. And I know we say this every week, no disrespect to Port Adelaide, you've done everything right this season, but for some reason just can't get
1: behind you. I didn't know how I'd feel about the Tigers being really good again, and I, I'm not into it. I've decided. I've decided that I would prefer to see another team win the Premiership than Richmond. I feel like Richmond is the predictable result
0: now. Because it's had the douchebag year, where they've just all been douchebags.
1: I mean, part of it, I guess, is that. But just another part of it where I'm just like, yeah, this is the predictable ending of this show. Like, for me now, if Richmond go on and win, you kind of look back on it all and go, in the end the team who was the best team coming into it was the best team at the end of it. And we did all these different things and we learned nothing other than the team that was the best team last year is also the best, best team of this year.
0: But isn't there a subplot that's a, of injuries I mean, and adversity and, you know, the media coming down on them and all the internals, doesn't that make it an interesting, different story? This, year? If you're a Richmond fan, it does. I think if you're a supporter of Richmond, you would look at this year and you would go, look at all these things we overcame. Richmond, we? Richmond are the hardcore Kiss fan who like, I will see them for the fucking 25th time even though to the rest of us, we're like, oh, fuck, they're still like, every time you see Kiss, it's this completely choreographed fake interaction. They're always going to point to the audience exactly at this moment. But for a real Kiss fan, it doesn't fucking matter. You would go see him, you know, a hundred times in a row if it was the same show. Yeah, I think Richmond would love to see Richmond win. There's no doubt about that. Um, I,
1: I, I'd rather see Port win. I don't think Brisbane can win now without... Harris Andrews. Um, I would like to see West Coast maybe, maybe West Coast. But I actually like I, I'd be I'd be excited about Port Adelaide. I'd be excited about Collingwood, because I think Collingwood for me is if you're gonna tell a story of having to overcome adversity, they'd be the ones
0: that would, you know, have the right to tell that story. Would you say that maybe their backs are against the wall?
1: I oh, mean It'd be a good name for the DVD, you know. When they put out the commemorative
0: like DVD of the season, they could just call it "Backs to the Wall." Well, the thing about backs against the wall is it can work on both the micro and, and like the macro level and the micro level, and 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 even when you expand it out to the entire season, right? So, right. Game to game, week to week, are the backs against the wall. But if you take the whole season, you'd say even though they've had more wins and losses, it's been a backs against the wall kind of season. So this is. Sure a good setup for like a Rocky style charge to the grand final. In fact, if if a great fairy tale or a great storyline would be Collingwood and West Coast to get there, because Collingwood's had injuries all year. West Coast have had a sweet run but have now had injuries here. If they both get to the grand final, just as Collingwood's bringing back, you know, their star players, just as West Coast get, maybe they bring back McGovern, you know, a bit early, you know. They're they're both primed with the same story. They've both had injuries at just really, you know, bad times of the year. And it's also the revenge of that one goal win, you know, two years ago. That would be a cool grand final.
1: Yeah, I think it would be a very cool grand final. And, you know, imagine when they make the documentary and they've got that, you know... Uh, Robo column, you know comes up on the screen where he's like Nathan Buckley's a perennial loser and it's going to define him for all time and then they win the premiership and then they suddenly go to that shot of Bucks like I, Bucks Bucks should do the Mark Williams if they do win he should stand up there in front of that microphone and he should name one by one he should go we will start with the airing of grievances. And he should just... I've made a top five of
0: people who said I could not do this. And he's my top five. Well, is that the most romantic story out of the top eight? Just looking at the ladder now. So, let's say... Let's say the ladder stays now as it is with the Bulldogs and the Saints taking the final two positions. So, okay. you've got Port Adelaide, Brisbane, Richmond, Geelong, West Coast, Collingwood, St Kilda, or the Bulldogs. Well... St Kilda would be the fairy tale would be the com- com massive underdogs to win but I don't think that's going to happen I just I don't see yep. it at the moment so then there's the bulldogs who have done this before so there is a storyline there that's kind of interesting and even Mitch Wallace I yep. saw yep. came out today and said you know we're actually pretty confident because we've been in this position before we were you know just in the tail under the eight and then we just went on a run so that would be amazing. Like, imagine if the Bulldogs' third premiership came from another fucking Hail Mary run from the bottom of the eight. That's a good story. If if that became our
1: defining characteristic, that we were a team that, like, maybe would only maybe get into the eight, but then once we were in the eight, you might be in fucking trouble. That would be a fun defining
0: characteristic. Great. Like the, and it's such a Scraggers kind of... You know, a place to be and it's like you are the Wolverine of the top eight because others might be more powerful but you, when you get on a fucking berserker rage because that's what happened in 2016 right you guys just fucking went in berserker rage and just out handballed and outran everyone for four weeks yep I love it you've got me excited maybe <laughs> maybe I am excited um, now I'm standing outside with a boom box there's two boom boxes out your window Marcus Bond and Billy I was more and me. convinced
1: by him than I was with you guys <laughs>
0: All right, so the St. Kilda one is the fairy tale. haven't played vinyl, so I haven't won another flag since 66, blah, blah, blah. Bulldogs is the Scraggers fucking Wolverine Berserker. Collingwood is the, uh, you know, backs against the wall. West Coast. Is West Coast, I mean, what is West Coast's story? It's not as compelling as the others. It's, they won one in 2018. They've been pretty good form. There's nothing really super exciting about that, is there? Apart from seeing no. Nick Nat play in a premiership. I think that's what season.
1: it is. The opportunity for the players who missed the last one is probably, yeah, we're doing it for those guys. I, I
0: guess that's West that's Coast story. It's not very compelling. I've got to be honest with you. It's not as it's not as all-encompassing and emotionally dri- driven as the other the other storyline.
1: No, and I think there's like some suspicion that they've had a reasonable run, even though they hated Queensland. They had a lot of games at home, and you know it's been kind of set up for them to do well. It's fine. You like the story would be Nick Nat and uh, Gaff. But but other than that, it's not... But But them making the grand final and losing to Collingwood makes Collingwood's a much better story, right? Like Collingwood's is a good story regardless, but if Collingwood end up playing... West Coast in that grand final and reversing the result, then there's a compelling reason for
0: for West Coast to be in the grand final. Here's what would make the story interesting. So at the moment, they've got their best midfielders out. Jeremy McGovern is out, looks like, for four weeks, but may not come up for the grand final. If they get into the grand final as a ragtag bunch of, you know, they've got six rookies who've played less than 20 games and they win, then that is club-defining you know those players will go down as immortals they were the, the the baby bombers of 2020 so that would be that would be the only way i would find that storyline very compelling yep if they kept their current their current uh what do you call it the current team uh Geelong i think is same as West Coast there's nothing super compelling no i th- i think it's i think it's the
1: Ablett and Selwood uh, well there's whispers going around and i hope it's not true that Joel Selwood might be getting towards the end of his career even though he's yeah not that old but because of the hard way he's played and the fact that he played so many games that and he's just had trouble with injuries over the last couple of years and so if it was Selwood and Ablett's last Geelong Premiership then and maybe even Hawkins right you're getting towards he'll probably keep playing for a couple of years but you know, he, maybe his last chance at playing in a premiership. Seeing those absolute champions, Dangerfield playing in a premiership for, for Geelong.
0: I think that's a, it's a different story, but it's that's a compelling story. It's that compelling? I'm going to put that in the maybe pile. Uh, Richmond we discussed is just been like the douchebag year. So the Lions, what's the narrative around there? It's finally the uh, the 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 heir apparent, Kid Dynamite finally earns his stripes. He's been thereabouts. Couldn't win a final last year, but has come of age. It's a coming of age story. Well, the story of the season is Queensland, right?
1: So Yeah, you're right. The, the idea, idea right. that it's like winning, it's like Kathy Freeman winning gold at the Sydney Olympics. Like it would have been special if she won that gold medal at the London Olympics, but there was something special about Australia being able to go, we're hosting this event and look at this. You know, we're going to, I think it's more likely that Lockie Neal will win the Brownlow and that will be Brisbane's version of you know, here's our reward for us being central to this story. But overcoming the loss of their best player to still go all the way and do it, I think, you know, it'd be a pretty fun victory if they won.
0: What about uh, Port Adelaide? Is it just that Kenny came out, Babe Ruth style pointed to the fence and said, we've got to make finals. We've got to win it. And they're going to do it maybe? You start with that. Absolutely. The underperforming team
1: on top of the ladder every round for the entire season like completely and the whole time people saying that they couldn't do it despite the fact that they were the one team that was demonstrably doing it every single week Travis Boak narrowly misses out on the Brownlow medal but wins the Norm Smith medal on grand final day in a Port Adelaide grand final good
0: story Charlie Dixon kicks six. Uh, well, it's time for some mail. And look, the cunt fiction is flowing thick and fast. In fact, I'm just scanning through the emails and the first five we have are all cunt related. Not all of them are uh, stories. Some of them are just questions or input about cunt. So do you want to get into that? Yep, let's get in. This is from Ben. Uh, hey fellas, time listener of the pod. I've been loving all the conf fiction recently and I thought I would try my hand. Seeing as Nat Feist nickname upon arriving at Fremantle was Avatar due to his resemblance to the Navi aliens from that movie, I thought it would be only fitting for him to star in a footy themed remake of that film. I hope you enjoy my effort. Go Blues. <laughs> well, it's appropriate, right? For the Navi Blues? Go Blues. <laughs> In an alternate universe, the game of football is played between different alien species, each living on separate planets. The prize for winning the competition is the rights to use the most advanced spaceship in the galaxy for one year, known as the Premier Ship. Oh, awesome. I'm in. (laughs) You love a pun, don't you? (laughs) The people of planet Fremantle grow restless at having never won the competition in all their years of trying. A new leader named Justin Longmuir emerges, claiming that despite their technical abilities, their people lack like the necessary grunt and spirit to win the competition. Justin proposes to send their star player, Nat Fife, to the exotic planet of Ardenia. Uh, no, Ardenora. Ardenora. Sorry, as in Pandora. Ardenora, uh-huh. where Fremantle have docked one of their spaceships it's ah, good. His aim is to locate the source of the native Norphi people's power, the rare and powerful Shinbota- and <laughs> to extract it to help them gain their first premiership. In order to go undercover and gain the locals' trust, Fife must be transformed to look like one of the native blue-and-white-skinned Norfi people. To achieve this, the retired Ferrymantle veteran-turned-scientist, Matthew Pavlich... Oh, Pav makes an appearance. That really warms my heart. In the Sigourney... Dr. Pav. Dr. Pav uses the latest technology to transform Fife into a realistic Pavitar. (laughs) Here's a Pavitar.
1: (laughs) Fife then (laughs) (laughs) flies. We were happy that Pav was the doctor. We didn't realize that it was coming with a world
0: class pun like that. (laughs) Fife then flies himself deep into the Norfie territory via helicopter, disembarking in a wide open field known as Pagan's Paddock. Soon he encounters burly local native Ben Cunnington. Wary at first, Cunnington agrees to show Nat around, teaching Nat to harness his body's new natural powers, such as being able to fish with his bare hands. Fife, <laughs> a stylish city boy by origin, becomes enamored with his way of life. And becoming in touch with nature, he particularly enjoys being able to be shirtless all the time instead of just on Brownlow night. As the pair begin to bond, Cunnington opens up to Fife about his own insecurities. He re- he reveals that the Norfi people connect to the power of the shinboner. Shin- Shinboni- it's hard to say Shin- Shinbonitanium. Shinbonitanium through their hair. Alas, his hair has started to thin slightly, and he fears he might be losing his powers. Fife reveals to Cunnington that his problems can be solved through technology. Cunnington is hesitant to, uh, to agree to be helped at first, having turned down offers to be given a smartphone previously. <laughs> However, Fife is eventually able to get some advanced hair clinic treatment delivered to Ben and convinces him to take it. Cunnington's hair grows successfully back, further strengthening the trust between the two. At this point, Nat's allegiances become torn between his original aim of stealing the Titanium and his newfound friend. Fife is eventually taken by Cunnington into the inner sanctum of his people, where he meets the ancient shaman, Cracker's Keenan. Disaster strikes at this point, when Longmuir, who has been tracking Fife the whole time, strikes in the base, killing Keenan in the attack. Fife pleads with Cunnington to believe him that he had nothing to do with the assault, insisting he did not even know the names of any of the people who just attacked them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cunnington decides to trust Nat, helping him to complete his transition to become one of the Norfi people. Together they successfully fight off the invaders, sending them back to dock on their own home planet. Five spends the rest of his playing career with a Norphy, propelling them up the ladder to finish in ninth place for ten successive seasons. (laughs) Collecting another three brown loads for himself along the way, Cunnington is right by his side the whole time, his luscious locks of hair flowing in the wind. The end. That That was very, very good, Ben. Holy shit. You actually made me want to watch... the Avatar. Avatar. Uh, This is from John uh, about the Comfortverse Hey guys, long time listener, first time caller Here's a quick pitch for a film within the Comfortverse set in one of Australia's natural treasures. Imagine if you will a dramatic heart-wrenching tale of two young men from different backgrounds thrown together to face the challenge of herding Brumbies in the majestic Snowy Mountains as part of a cross-team pre-season camp and struggling to make sense of the bond that develops between them. The working title is Boke Jack Martin or alternatively, two guys, one tent. Cheers. JP in Oslo. Boke Jack? Does that work? I mean, it doesn't play for either team. We <laughs> <laughs> appreciate the input. Thanks very much. <coughs> uh, John writes in, um oh hang on i just read that well jack viney there's talk that jack viney
1: might be lo- leaving melbourne so it could be travis boke trying to recruit jack viney to um port adelaide by taking him on a camping trip
0: and then it's boke jack mountain this is from paul uh subject slash fiction will and charlie would you be interested in some comfort slash fiction i have some written thanks for the laughs uh, no, Paul, <laughs> I think you can keep that to yourself. I quite like the PG uh, nature of the comfort fiction so far. I'm not really sure I want to get into the slash territory. But, Will, you might have a different opinion.
1: Maybe a bonus episode. I don't think it should be part of the main episode, but maybe we could do a little Two Guys, One Cup
0: After Dark. A sealed section. A little sealed section of our show. I feel like we're skating on thin ice as it is, having done a year worth of <laughs> comfort fiction. And... I just yeah. feel like Ben Cunnington's the kind of guy who, if he heard about this, could maybe let it go, but I doubt he'd let Slash Fiction go. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, no, you're right. Uh, you're absolutely
1: 100% right. We've been... I, I flew too close to the sun, Charlie. For
0: a moment, I thought we
1: could do anything
0: because we've got away with this for so long. I thought we could do anything, but you're right. This is from Ron. Um, a fee practice. Hey, guys. Thought the Cunnington in rehab with five-storyline needed to be called a comfy comfy practice. Maybe with BT as the wombat. <laughs> that's all I've got. Cheers. Fatso. Fatso the wombat. Get G'day, BT. Um, okay, finally we're off a uh, cunt for a little bit, thank oh. Christ. You don't want to work your cunt too hard, Will. That's all I'll say. This is from Peter. He says, uh, the subject is... Uh, A team that are close to our hearts, Will. We've talked about them before. Not on this show, surprisingly. On our other show, the Could Have Been Champions. Yes. G'day, guys. Thanks for the footy pod that you put out each week. You mean the one we're doing right now? Yes. Okay. Cool. You shouldn't worry about the lack of depth of footy analysis on your show because the Could Have Been Champions are into their 40th year and are up over 1,000 shows, and they barely mention the games that have been played each week. They like to hang shit on Collingwood, Hawthorne, and Melbourne, even though their producer is a Melbourne supporter. Recently, they have been creeping into your territory in regards to whether Tom Hawkins has washed his shorts, commenting on how good Tim English's hair looks, and Greg even ranked the worst three mustaches in the league. Also, Simon Whelan is back after retiring from the court and has been getting emails from the St. Kilda president. And moving into a bit of TOEFL crossover... After Unk introduces the show, Richo mentions that Unk goes straight to the ABC Pie Warmer. Cheers for a great podcast, Peter. Fuck, man, I had no idea the Coulda were still around. You know what this is even more disturbing? I think we're the modern-day Coulda
1: Beans. I think, I think that that's actually what has just been identified. Is not that the could have been are ripping off our stuff, but we're ripping off theirs. We've never really known where this podcast fits into the footy, footy world, but we are a reboot of the could have been champions.
0: Barry, uh, subject is Greater Eastern Australia Sport Club Wombats. Hi, Will and Charlie. On the back of the Sir Doug Nichols Round, some teams connect to Australia, or the nicknames, uh, and the nicknames are clear: the Bombers. Uh, to the airfields. Uh, The the bombers are near the airfields. Fremantle are near the docks. Um, But some don't make any sense. I still don't understand the power. However, I don't think there is a connection to the land. If you could rename each team to meet the local area or an animal of region to the club. Uh, For me, my realistic change would be I'd like to see the GWS take on the wombats as a mascot. Well, I mean, I guess if you can easily identify an animal, but maybe it should be more what the suburb is famous for, like... I mean, St Kilda could easily be like... Well, for a while, St Kilda could have been like the, the St Kilda hypodermic needles. <laughs> like, for a while there, if you went down to St Kilda Beach, that's what you'd find.
1: Yeah, but I think Richmond would be like, well, hang on, but we're also called the hypodermic needles, so... <laughs> how can we play each other? The
0: Bent Burnt Spoons. <laughs> <laughs> um, Collingwood mug- Collingwood Muggings? <laughs> Collingwood Baristas. Oh, yeah. Like,
1: Collingwood's a hipster suburb now. It's like, you know, it would be some sort of inner city artist or somebody who works in advertising who, like, you know, the Collingwood Vegan Cafes. The Collingwood
0: Vegan Cafes? Oh, yes, it would be. The Collingwood Asian Fusions. Yeah, the Collingwood Almond lattes. This is from Nick. This is another cunt fan fiction. Are you ready for this? It's set in the 80s. Hey, guys. One of your American-based listeners, I hope you enjoy this completely original story Cue the 80s Great. music. Dun, 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 dun. It's 1984. Nat Fife and his mother Lucille move to from Grace Lake, Western Australia to Brunswick, Victoria. Their apartment's handyman is an eccentric but kind of humble Okinawan immigrant named Mr. Laonagi. Nat Fife befriends Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> I love how like you've changed two of the characters' names. But then it's Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> like... Uh, Nat for befriends...
1: Or as she's known in our universe, the shoe stutter. <laughs> yeah, the boot stutter.
0: <laughs> Elizabeth Boot. Nat <laughs> for befriends Elizabeth Boot, a high school cheerleader, which draws the attention of her arrogant ex-boyfriend, Ben Cunnington, a black... Ba- hang on, sorry, before we go any further, completely miscast. Like, if someone's going to be the arrogant jock, it's Nat Fife. If someone's going to be the shy Ralph Machio new kid at school, it's Ben Cunnington, right? Yeah, no, you're right. It is around the wrong way. Although, I kind of like your left of field take on this. You are casting against type. This could be, you know, Keanu Reeves was like a dopey kind of like comedy actor until Catherine Bigelow put him in Point Break and turned him into an action hero. Maybe you have the insight to turn Nat Fife into a nerd and Ben Cunnington into a strut and jock. You know what? I, I'm back
1: on board. You're absolutely right. I think that it's a classic reversal. They're playing against type. They're two people that we've come to identify as being certain characteristics and you're flipping that on their head, getting Cunnington to be inside the mind of Fife and Fife inside the mind of Cunnington. It's, it's, it's like
0: face-off meets Karate Kid. Uh, draws the attention of arrogant ex-boyfriend Ben Cunnington a black belt and the top student from the Kanga Kai dojo where he studies the vicious form of karate Ben Cunnington and his Kanga Kai gang continually bully Nat Fife on Halloween after Nat Fife sprays water on Ben Cunnington with a hose yeah well he said it was a hose <laughs> I imagine he's got his own very similar to Chris Evans oh hang on is that a different podcast we've talked about <laughs>
1: different that was a different show we did it's a
0: call back to a different show that we did earlier tonight he sprays water on ben cunnington with a hose and he's pursuing pursue that five down the street and savagely beat him until mr lionagi intervenes and single-handedly defeats them with ease and you could see i mean i think ross Lyon would do that in his real life i imagine if ross Lyon came a, a bun, across a bunch of bullies like beating up a little kid he would fucking jump the fence and kick the shit out of him don't you reckon
1: yeah, absolutely. He'd just be like, "Guys, um, you know, you've got to uh, you've
0: got to judge the behaviour, but not the person." And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm judging the behaviour. Amazed, Nat Five asks Mr. Lionagi to teach him karate. Lionagi declines but agrees to bring Nat Five to the Kangai Kai Dojo to resolve the conflict. It's a bit confused, you know what I mean? Like, shouldn't this yeah. be, shouldn't this be like Reese Shaw taking into the Kangai Kai Kojo, Dojo, not the ex-coach for anyway we'll have a we'll have a notes meeting after this <laughs> they meet with their
1: sensei maybe brad scott you know because he was a former north melbourne person but he's not there anymore so
0: he's like disenchanted with mr the Br- club yeah like, brad, brad scott Argie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> they meet with the sensei ron barassi an ex-special forces vietnam veteran who callously dismisses the peace offering noting fife is bloody weak as piss Lionagi then proposes that Nat Fife enter the All Valley Karate Championships, where he can compete with Ben Cunnington and the other Kanga Kai, Kanga Kai students on equal terms, and requests that the bullying cease while Nat Fife trains. Barassi agrees to these terms. Nat Fife's training starts with days of menial chores that he believes will. Uh, served to make him Lionagi's long, long, slave. When he becomes frustrated, Lionagi demonstrates that the repetition of these chores have helped him learn defensive blocks. So that's just exactly Karate Kid. If you haven't put any football spin on that. That's just exactly Karate Kid, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it would be better if it was things that made him handball better or like... <laughs> We're
0: being was... incredibly harsh on this person who has put some time and effort so... to write this thing that's stu- like our stupid segment. They've submitted some content and we're picking it to pieces.
1: And from they admitted up the top from a country that did not grow up with that game and the references. But what I was, I'm just going to say a little punch up. It would be great if he was doing a series of drills where he had to remember things. And he
0: eventually learned that he was, you know, giving him the capacity to remember all his teammates' names. Their bond develops. Leon Argy opens up to Nat Five about his life that includes the dual loss of his wife and son and childbirth while he's away coaching the Forty Fourth Regiment football team in World War Two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, this we'll need to punch-up. Again, we'll do notes at the end of this episode. Through Mr. Lionagi's teaching, Nat 5 learns not only karate, but also important life lessons, such as the importance of personal balance and the humble ways of an introverted extrovert. Ah, there we go. All right, we're back on track. Some football references, some in-jokes. All right, we're back on track. At the tournament, Nat 5 surprises everyone by reaching the semifinals through a catchy you're-the-best-around montage. Ben Cunnington advances to the finals. That in our version, Nat 5 is actually singing
1: himself about himself
0: in the mirror. Ben Cunnington advances uh, to the finals. Barassi instructs his second best student, Sean Higgins, to disable nat five with an illegal attack to the knee. I mean, again, this should be more like a training camp, a draft camp or something, right? Like they should be doing handball drills and stuff, yeah. not karate. And also you get like Jack Zeeble maybe to do it. if Like your second best. Like who's if- You just bring in Toby Green. You just widen Mr. Uh, Ron Barassi. He teaches stuff to all different players from all different clubs and Toby Green is the guy to go in and take his leg that makes more sense Yeah. again exactly. we'll send you some notes at the end of the episode <laughs> Higgins reluctantly does so severely injuring Nat 5 and getting himself disqualified in the process Nat 5 is taken to the locker room where the physician determines that he cannot continue however Nat 5 believes that if he quits his tormentors will have gotten the best of him he convinces Leonagi to use an elixir he swiped from, uh, the, from Higgins GI Okay, unstoppering the elixir, he gives Fife a little whiff and doses the knee with some shin spirit as Ben Cunnington is about to be declared the winner by default. Nat Fife returns to fight the match is a seesaw battle with neither able to break through the other's defense. The match is halted when Nat Fife uses a scissor leg technique to trip Ben Cunnington, delivering a blow to his back, uh, delivering to the back of his head and giving Ben Cunnington a nosebleed. Barassi directs Ben Cunnington to sweep Nat Fife's injured leg, an unethical move. As the match resumes and the score is tied at two all, Ben Cunnington seizes Nat Fife's leg and deals a vicious elbow, doing further damage. Nat Fife, standing with difficulty, assumes the crane stance, a technique. I mean, wouldn't it be like the, the anchor stance or, or something? Or Well, also, I, I want to do a punch up on uh,
1: Sweepy's leg, Johnny. <laughs> what, what if for Ben Cunnington, it's punch him in the guts, Ben? So or they're all saying, punch him in the guts. Yeah, behind the (laughs) blade, Punch him in the gut.
0: A technique he observed Mr. Lionagi performing on a beach. Ben Cunnington lunges towards Nat Fife who jumps and executes a front kick to Ben Cunnington's face scoring the tournament winning point. The Kangakai is defeated. Ben Cunnington, having gained newfound respect for his nemesis, presents the trophy to Nat 5 himself as Nat 5 is carried off by an enthusiastic crowd. I mean, once again, you've taken a guy who is famous for winning things. He's a winner in life. He's good looking, he flies helicopters. (laughs) And so you've asked us to watch this entire film where we see a guy who is a winner, win again. Not as satisfying. I mean, it can be satisfying, but not as satisfying. We'll send you some notes. We'll punch this up. We'll punch this up behind the play. All right. Uh, let's take a look at the games that are on for the final round of this 2020 season before we head into the finals. Okay. And we'll give our tips. Will, first match is the Kangaroos taking on the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles will win that, I believe. Would be a danger game against any other side, I reckon. The Eagles just like snuck across the line with us. They still got a bunch of injuries, but just North are a basket case. I'm sorry, North fans. Yeah. On Friday night, the Saints take on the Giants. Oh, must win game for both sides, both on the same points. Giants did the percentage. Oh, I just, I'm so crushed from last week. It's really hard to muster up motivation for this. I'm going to pick the Saints, but I'm also willing, I'm also ready for this to be a very disappointing night. I'm going to pick a tie. It's going to be a tie.
1: That's actually okay. That's good enough. Tie gets his... Uh... I, n- I nearly picked the tie last week. I was so close to picking the tie last week. So I'm going to go again. I'm. G- you know what? Double or nothing.
0: I'm picking a tie. In fact, lock of the week. <laughs> on Saturday, the Bombers take on the Demons. Oh. Uh, Demons have to win this to ensure that they play finals. So this is the game that the Demons will lose to a unfancied opponent. <laughs> Would well, they, they couldn't. I mean, they lost to Hawthorne. No, they lost to... Sydney and, was it Frio? And then they and then they beat Hawthorne. Or is that, I don't know, who they beat last? No, they beat... It's hard
1: to see Essendon winning, is really what I would say. and But I'd prefer, obviously, for the Bulldogs' chances for Melbourne to lose. So I'm going to pick... I'm, I'm going to say the Bombers rally. Uh, Melbourne's got everything on the line. Bombers... You know, they're going to rally for that final game. Like, send... Yeah, the club's been in crisis. Send their supporters out with some hope. And um, Melbourne falter at the end. Essendon win. Nah, Melbourne are going to win. Nah, I'm going to say, nah, Melbourne are going to win. There's I, I, I couldn't even convince myself that... Yes, they don't could win. No, I mean, we
0: dedicated win. the first fifteen minutes of this episode to just talking about how the heart has been ripped out of that club. <laughs> I just can't. I, I can't say them winning. Uh, Adelaide take on Richmond. Is there any danger of Richmond dropping this game to a resurgent three in the, three in a row? Adelaide, we're trying to stay off the bottom of the ladder. They win this. North get the wooden, wooden spoon. Is there any way Adelaide wins? This? Is there a chance? I mean, Richmond. Are no. good. No.
1: Okay. <laughs> they're not a chance. They're not, They're. Adelaide have a lot to like from the last three weeks and just that's fine but they're not they're not going to
0: beat Richmond Lions take on the Blues interesting match Blues uh ooh. no the Lions has to be the Lions they're just too good an outfit they're not going to let that slip second place twelve.
1: the good news for the Lions is that they've had a couple of easy kills without Andrews so they haven't really noticed that he's not there yet
0: um, I reckon they'll win this one. I think Carlton are done for the season. Hawthorne take on the Suns. Probably a hard game to pick, really. The Suns have looked like good for majority of games this year, but haven't won. I just don't know. I just, who knows? I mean, Hawthorne of sending off Ben Stratton and, and Poppy. So maybe the emotion gets in the family club, gets them over the line. I'll pick Hawthorne.
1: I think Gold Coast have played okay. I, like I actually think Gold Coast are not in a bad position. They they're going to end the season having been in a lot of games, and that's normally the sign that your team's about to go to the next level. If you're just like losing a lot of close ones, like they've got a lot of improvements still in them. I reckon they'll go out with a win.
0: Very positive season for the Gold Coast. The Cats has to be the Cats. They, they need they need a uh, easy kill and a primer for the finals. If is Ablet back. He can play, so it could be back. A little tune-up game for him. The Swans will, I reckon the Swans will put up yeah. a good fight for a half, and then Geelong will run away with it. Yeah, I agree, but yeah, no, Geelong will win. Uh, the Dockers taking on the Bulldogs, where we know what your tip will be. Uh, I mean, I think it is a danger game, but I also just reckon you guys... Oh, but Toby McLean's out, isn't he? Done his knee. Does that disrupt your midfield too much? No. you got lots of the him. <laughs> Tom, it doesn't, mate. Um...
1: Uh, I think like I, I think we're better with McLean in the team, but I don't think that he's like. I think he is one of the players that you can replace. Yes, we have other players who will
0: also bring good things to the team. It'd be, I mean, like it'd be heartbreaking for you if Fremantle win, but I think the Bulldogs. That's my pick. And the final match is uh, Collingwood taking on Port Adelaide six versus first. Now, I think I might go against our tightly held principle here of backs against the wall because Collingwood's backs are not against the wall. As we know, they've just regained Jordan Dugowie and a few other players, and they might be getting more as they head into the finals. And so I think there is a bit of like, ooh, people taking notice of Collingwood again. So the backs aren't against the wall, but I just feel like because they're playing the top team and it's Port Adelaide who have their colours, there's enough there to motivate Collingwood. So I'm going to pick the pies, and that's my lock of the week. Port Adelaide. I think Port Adelaide. Like if, if Port Adelaide
1: lose this, then they, despite the fact that they go in at the top of the ladder, that people are going to have so many question marks over them in the finals. And they still then are set up for the idea that they could just like get straight sets out of the finals. I think they've got more to gain. And I, Collingwood Collingwood don't really have that much to gain. I know they do have something to gain by winning, but, but they have
0: less to lose i reckon port adelaide the only thing i'd say is that port are a team who have built their game around charlie dixon and collingwood have an excellent defense so if collingwood can shut dixon down maybe they break even through the middle you know their forward line collingwood's forward line is a bit suspect but i don't know much about port's defense so i don't know i think if they can shut down charlie dixon it makes it a much more even contest
1: Sometimes with players, you know, they're good first up. Like, you know, Goey was good first up, but he might not be able to back it up two weeks in a row. I don't know. I just like, I, I want to give Port Adelaide the benefit of
0: the doubt. They've done enough to earn our trust at this point, so I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. In the final round of the year, we'll finally doff our hats to you, Port Adelaide. Congratulations, minor premiers, Port and Adelaide.
1: And don't fucking let us down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> don't embarrass us, Port Adelaide. Uh, okay, that's it for the show. Um, if you want to check out more podcasts like this, Will and I have a little uh, independent podcast company called Tofop. Uh, you can go to tofop.com to check out other podcasts that we do. Will has one called Willosophy where he interviews really interesting, smart and sometimes funny people. Who's on this week, Will? Uh, Beth Stelling, who's a US comedian who I
1: think is very hilarious. So it was on a Monday and this Friday there is a new episode uh, with Claire Bowditch, and it's it's actually a really fantastic episode she she recently lost her mum during the middle of this pandemic and you know she talks quite lovingly and openly about what that experience was like so i do recommend
0: checking that one out when it comes out on friday and we had uh, another podcast called TofoP, which is pretty much this, but with like less footy chat. And uh, it was a very funny episode. Will uh, found an article about a bunch of anti-5G activists. So <laughs> We spent quite a bit of time breaking down the signs that were photographed at the protest. So you can check that out at tofop.com And I have another podcast that I do with Osher Ginsberg called DadPod, which is coming back for season two next Wednesday. Um, so Osher and I, we've done a little bonus episode for Father's Day that you can find online. Um, But we'll be doing a live Q&A the Tuesday before the episode is released, which is Wednesday. So check out DadPod wherever you get your podcast. I actually don't know where to find it. (laughs) I probably should have researched that before I find the show. (laughs) Wherever you get your podcast, that'll do. Uh, Play on, not 15. Ball. We are Two Guys, One Car.